Second and 26 is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know SEC football ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Checking out is a breeze on the GameTime app. Once you've pinpointed the seats you want, simply click the listing and check out. It's that simple. Use the GameTime two-step checkout system next time you're looking for great deals on tickets. So head to the App Store or Play Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome back into second and 26, your dedicated free Alabama podcast every Monday free uh, every Friday for subscribers here on the athletic. I'm your host, Alabama beat writer for the athletic Aaron Suttles. You can catch my work every Monday through Friday on WJX 94.5 from 10 to 2. And you can catch all my, uh, all my written work uh, at The Athletic. And you can catch this podcast two times a week. Of course, the big game in college football this week is Alabama, LSU. Alabama number two, LSU number one. We've been waiting for this. Basically, we got a sense this was coming a while ago. Now, LSU certainly had to get past a couple of hurdles that Alabama hasn't had to cross yet. LSU had to get past Florida and they had to get past Auburn. But but we we got kind of got the sense that this that we were we were heading this way that two runaway trains were going to meet um, on November 9th in Tuscaloosa as unbeaten teams. Now a lot has transpired to, to to make this a number one versus number two matchup. The first time that a regular season number one versus number two matchup has occurred since you guessed it, 2011. So we, we've been heading this way for a while. We just may, needed to make sure that 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 neither team slipped up. LSU was able to uphold its end of the bargain, getting past a pesky Florida team. They got past a very pesky Auburn team a couple weeks ago, and now they're coming to Bryant-Denny off a bye week, just like just like Alabama. Uh, both teams off a of bye week. Uh, a little bit of uh, – we'll play catch-up first because if you haven't if – you, if, you, if you like the players, just took your bye week and you just unplugged and you did the honey – do list and or you traveled and got away and you just unplugged much like the players did at Alabama got away from football let's let's catch you up on a little bit of news one Nick Saban revealed today during his Monday press conference that Tua Tonga-Valoa is still day-to-day he is still a game time decision he did though give us a little bit of information that Tua practiced twice last week now I was surprised that Nick Saban gave that information away but uh, he, he did say Tua practice twice this week. Of course, when Nick Saban spoke to the media this, this uh, afternoon at noon Central Time, Alabama had not been on the practice field today. Uh, they'll, they'll hit the practice field about 3.30 this afternoon. And then uh, they'll start evaluating you know, where his level of soreness is, where his level of strength is in that ankle. And that's how they'll determine how they divvy up the, uh, the practice repetitions for the quarterbacks this week between himself and Mac Jones. But 
all gamesmanship aside, and I do think there's a little bit of gamesmanship going on from Nick Saban, as you would expect there to be. Listen, LSU's preparing for Tua. And if you prepare for Tua and you get Mac Jones, oh, well, you've prepared for the harder of the two, right? No, no disrespect intended to Mac Jones, but there isn't anything that Mac Jones is going to do that if you, if you spent two weeks practicing for Tua Tonga-Valoa, that's going to come as some big surprise to you. In other words, you know, if Alabama had a dual-threat quarterback as its backup behind Tua and it was a completely different style of play, it was, if it was a change of pace, and LSU had spent two weeks preparing for Tua – then that that could that could throw you like we've seen the last couple of years from Georgia, right? Georgia prepared to play against against Jalen Hurts in the national championship game a couple of years ago, and then Tua comes in and and sort of uh, changes the the way that game is played. And then last year in the SEC championship game, the vice versa occurred. They had prepared for Tua, and then he goes out in the fourth quarter, and Jalen comes in and and sort of is able to rally that team with a different style of play. Um, so if if Ed Orgeron and Dave Aranda spent two weeks preparing for Tua Tonga-Valoa, there's nothing that Mac Jones is going to present stylistically, philosophically, that they can't adjust to um, even if it was a game-time decision. So gamesmanship aside, I don't know how much it matters to LSU what Nick Saban is saying because they're preparing for Tua Tonga-Valoa. I do think it's a good thing that he practiced twice last week and I would suspect that he will practice this week. Now, during the media viewing portion of practice, Alabama may make him disappear. In other words, he may not be, he may not be out there while the media is there, but as soon as the media is gone, as long as, as that ankle has not uh, suffered a setback, I expect Tua Tonga-Valoa to practice today and, and Wednesday and, and tomorrow, Tuesday. So, um, but, but we will all be in suspense up until uh, 2.30 Central Time on Saturday when Alabama will kick against LSU and then it will be revealed to all how healthy he is. Now, no one is expecting him to be 100%, but that's part of it. So we'll keep a track on that and we'll, we'll probably have some more information regarding Tua uh, on our Friday podcast. Um, also, Nick Saban updated the rest of the injury situation. Again, if you've had that week off, you may have forgotten, but there was a rather lengthy list of injuries that Nick Saban hit after the Arkansas win that involved Evan Neal and, and the running back Najee Harris and, uh, you know, Shaheen Carter's a little nicked up and Evan Neal. And, and so he kind of went, went through those, but um, asked today, the only guy that, that is still questionable to play on Saturday is the true freshman kicker, Will Reichert. Um, it is what it is that Nick Saban went into to a little bit of a lengthy answer last week talking about how frustrating this injury has been for Will, how frustrating this injury has been for Alabama this year. Now, Will, you recall, had an injury to his foot. Uh, he, he missed a couple of games, and then he came back and punted, I believe, in the Tennessee game and re-injured himself. So you're not just talking about the kicker here. You're talking about a, a punter as well, and Alabama has used a – a backup punter in his absence. So Will Reichert affects many aspects of the special teams, not the least of which is, uh, is field goal kicking, which, I mean, listen, it was in this game in eight years ago that Alabama's woefulness in field goal kicking was revealed to the world and, and really made it sort of a punchline of Alabama football that they are great in everything except kicking because that, that game in 2011 was just a um, – just a laughing stock of what Alabama did from the field goal kicking. And, 
and it's just sort of, um, I guess, poetic justice. Here we are that eight years later and still field goal kicking is an issue, and we don't know here as we sit here on Monday whether Will Reichert will be available. Nick Saban did say that Najee Harris is fine. They expect him to play. Uh, he did not give an update on Evan Neal, but when, when he sort of went through the injuries, he said, we're good except for, and he named Will Reichert. And, of course, you'll remember last week, Miller Forrestal had that very scary injury to his throat and had surgery. He'll be out, I would suspect, through the regular season. Any hope of return would have to be um, in, in some sort of postseason game. And we covered that in last week's podcast about how stylistically does that change anything Alabama wants to do from the tight end position. Miller Forrestal was, was tight end one. And uh, we know in, in, in running situations that they had used Kendall Randolph and Chris Owens as blocking tight ends. Will we see more of that? Will we see more of five wide receiver sets um, or empty with a running back that, that motions out? So we'll keep track on that. But from an injury situation, Alabama in pretty good standing with uh, with a caveat that we don't know what percentage that two is. Now, LSU had some news today that, uh, that, that broke of their own. Michael Divinity Jr., who is a linebacker, is no longer on the LSU football team. This coming from the Athletics' own Brody Miller, who broke the story here at The Athletic. And if you haven't read that story, um, you know, press pause on, on the podcast and go look it up. Or if you have a great attention span and you can do two things at once, go look it up. Brody's story is up there at The Athletic, and it details – that he's no longer on the team. And, and he, his standing on the team was sort of suspect. It was always sort of, uh, if you read into, in between the lines of what Brody's writing, there was this, uh, he was just on shaky ground that, um, that, that his status on the team early in the season, and, and even right now, if he hadn't um, left the team, that he wouldn't have been playing in this game regardless. But the fact that he's uh, not on the team, uh, it is noteworthy because he brings a he brings a leadership quality, brings a certain toughness to LSU, and um, much like Alabama fans know, when when you take an experienced player off the field and you put in an, uh, a relatively inexperienced player uh, behind him as a starter, you're going to f- to feel it in some regards. Now, um, Michael Divinity Jr. had moved from outside linebacker. He asked the coaches to move him inside this year so he could be on the field um, because Kayvon Chason had had done. A really good job, Caleb. I can't even pronounce that. Caleb Chazon um, had done a really good job at outside linebacker uh, this year after being hurt last year. So um, they, uh, Michael Devaney Jr. asked to move be moved inside, and you also have to factor in the fact that he his footing on the team was shaky. They had played several um, games without him, so it's not it's not as if this is the first game that they're going to miss him, and then you're putting in an inexperienced player in his stead. Um, they've sort of repped this in other games, so we'll see how that affects it. And you gotta, you got to also factor in that against Alabama, I would suspect you're going to see a lot of nickel and dime defense. You're going to see a lot of defensive backs on the field. And so maybe that, that Michael Divinity Jr. wouldn't have been as big a part of the game plan um, as normally um, thought of in an Alabama-LSU matchup simply because these two teams are, are pass-first teams, and you you would have to think to combat that, to combat those great Alabama wide receivers of Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, that you're going to have a lot of defensive backs out there. So um, we'll see if that end up, ends up making a difference. If nothing else, it's a distraction. It's, um, it's something LSU's having to deal with the week of 
um, going to number two Alabama when they're the top ranked team in the country. And this this game certainly has a lot of hype to it. And, and there have been other Alabama LSU games that have certainly been big. Um, I believe both of these two teams have been in the top 20 every year since 2007. So every game that they've played, I believe both of these two teams have been top 20 teams. So th- this has always been a big game. But the hype around this game um, is unlike any of the others other than 2011. And let's just go ahead and get this out in the open. This is not as big as 2011. It will not be as big as 2011. It cannot begin to approach 2011 for one simple reason. In 2011, there was no college football playoff. In 2011, when that game was played, it was understood the loser's done. It was understood the loser doesn't get to go on because we had never seen a team that didn't even win its division to represent its half of the conference in a conference championship game go on and, and, and be named to the BCS National Championship game. It just, it just it hadn't been done. Our minds couldn't comprehend that at the time. So much would have had to have happened from early November through, through December that, would have, that had to, to happen and actually did play out so that Alabama could work its way back in the game. So that, the stakes on that 2011 regular season Alabama-LSU were so high. And there was no mulligan. I mean, it ended up Alabama got a mulligan, and they made the most of it, and they won the national championship that year. But at the time, you have to understand, there were no mulligans. It was, this is it. One of the top two teams in the country was going to get left out. I mean, you were playing for your spot to keep playing for a national championship. Now, it didn't work out that way, but that's the way that, that we entered that, that, that game with in terms of our mindset. It's not the same anymore. We're already talking about can the loser make a college football playoff. They haven't even played the game, and we're talking about that. And we'll get into that here a little late, here in a minute or two on the show. But the hype for this game is big. It's huge. But it ain't 2011, and it's not going to be. I've covered seven national championship games. Uh, the 2011 regular season Alabama-LSU game had an atmosphere unlike any other I've ever been a part of from a college football standpoint. There's something about covering a heavyweight championship fight that, that's very electric too. But in terms of covering college football, I've covered seven national titles and not one of them could match the energy that was in the stadium that night when Alabama and LSU played. And a lot of that, no, not, most of that's due because it was an on-campus game. It wasn't in a sterile, neutral side environment like these national championship games are played in. So this year's going to be big. And it's probably the second biggest Alabama-LSU game in the Nick Saban era at Alabama. But it ain't 2011, and it's not going to be. But it's still rather big because, um, you know, it's been reported, and I heard um, news this morning that President Donald Trump's coming to the game. Now, that could change, but as of now, the President of the United States is is coming to the game. And uh, ESPN's College Game Day is going to be broadcasting from the quad. Now, they usually do it from the Walk of Champions. But they're doing it on the quad this year. Uh, The SEC Networks, SEC Nation is broadcasting from Tuscaloosa. There have been more than 600 media credential requests for this game. The Athletic will have more than just me and Brody there. I think Stuart Mandel will be there. More than 600 media credential requests. That doesn't mean they're all approved. 
But that tells you how big this game is. And the hype for it is building. Every day it's been, you know, it was a low simmer during the bye week. You don't want to peak too soon. You don't want to peak too soon. Now we've turned the schedule. The, the college football schedule rolled over. And now you're on to, you're on to game week. You're on to Monday. There are press conferences happening. Uh, there are fans talking, um, you know, junk back and forth to each other on social media. We're getting updates on Tua. We're, we're learning of a player at LSU no longer on the roster. So it's been a low simmer. It's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's medium right now. And it will be at a full boil by the time Friday runs, roll, rolls around. I mean, it's going to be off the charts in terms of uh, environment, uh, especially with the president. Um, if he does indeed show up, the amount of security detail that will be around Tuscaloosa, what a logistical nightmare that is. Listen, it's one thing to secure Atlanta's Mercedes-Benz Stadium, um, but it's a city, and there aren't residences like butted up against Mercedes-Benz. There's, there's a sort of uh, district there. If you've ever been to Mercedes-Benz, there's, a, there's the... Uh, there's a convention center, um, there's a park, um, you know, so there's some things that you can secure pretty easily. There are literally condos and houses in, in outside of Bryant-Denny Stadium. You have to secure all those if the president's going to be there. And I'm pretty sure that Alabama did not want that information leaked today for security reasons. But I'm saying all this and I'm telling you this because you need to give yourself time on Saturday. If you were, if you have tickets, if you're one of the lucky ones that have tickets and you're not going to sell them to pay for Christmas, then you need to give your t- yourself time Saturday. Because when, when you add, listen, when you add in everything I told you about the number of media, that's going to be there. Uh, the fact that game day is going to be there. The sec Nation's going to be there. The fact that it's number one, number two, listen, there are already people that were just going to go tailgate that don't have tickets. So it was already going to be a crowded quad. I mean, that, that was already going to happen. And there will still be people that don't have tickets that just want to be in that environment. Now you add to that the fact that the president of the United States is going to be there. It's going to be um, tough sledding getting around Tuscaloosa. So uh, I would advise giving yourself enough time to get into the stadium because you, this ain't normal security that you're having to roll through. Um, they don't let the president just walk into an unsecured locale. So give yourself plenty of time to get into Bryant-Denny Stadium, to get settled, you know, for a 2.30 kick, for a normal 2.30 kick, my goal is always to be in the stadium about an hour and a half before kickoff. I'm gonna, I'm planning on being in Tuscaloosa way, 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 way earlier now. I'm not leaving anything to chance because there's going to be a lot of people in Tuscaloosa. And you can just go ahead and, and, and bank on it. There's a lot of hype surrounding this game, and there will continue to be as well. You know, I, I, I sort of uh, teased a little bit earlier the fact that we're having discussions about whether the loser can realistically make a uh, the top four of the college football playoff at the end of the season. And, and, and Ed Orgeron sort of, uh, without actually coming out and saying it, sort of hinted at that today. He was He was in his press conference and he said, you know, there will be bigger games ahead of us, meaning down the road. And it, taking it face value, you're like, whoa, he, I mean, it's, you're overlooking this game. You're overlooking the, the number one versus number two matchup. You're overlooking a team that you haven't beaten in the last eight tries. You're overlooking 
the biggest game in college football this year. But when you when you dive into it, unless LSU gets blown out, they got a pretty good shot to make the college football playoff. Um, even in a loss. Now, if they get blown out, everything's off the table. But if they lose a game on the road to the number two team in the country and it's competitive, they're in a decent spot because right now, according to the Sagarin ratings, LSU has the 34th ranked schedule in the country. Now, the way the Sagarin ratings work is they take who you've played so far. They don't take into account your entire schedule. That's my understanding. I could be wrong, but that's my understanding. LSU has the 34th strength of schedule right now, and that's before they play number two Alabama. And if they keep that game competitive, they're going to have a resume that includes wins over Texas. Now, if, if Texas is completely tanking by that point, that's not going to be a good win. Um, but they will get credit on, on going on the road into a Power 5 environment and getting a win. They will have wins over Florida. If Florida doesn't tank, that's a two-loss team. That's a 10-2 and end-of-the-season Florida team. That will be in the top 15. Um, they'll have a, a, a win over Auburn. Now, uh, Auburn's record, I mean, that it could be good. It could be bad. Auburn had a, a hellacious schedule this year, and so by the time the end of the season, that might be an 8-4 and four Auburn team. It could be a 9-3 and three Auburn team. Heck, it could be a 10-2. and two. If, if Auburn springs upsets over Georgia and Alabama, they get the, both those games this year injured in Hare Stadium. Who knows? But for the sake of this, they would have – LSU would have wins over on the road at Texas. They would have a win over Florida. They'd have a win over Auburn. Um, they'd have a win to close out the schedule. They'd have a win over Texas A&M. It's not bad. Um, not, now, they, they are not making the SEC championship game if they lose. If they lose this weekend, they would need Alabama to lose twice. And Alabama's remaining SEC games after this are Mississippi State and Auburn. Um, so... Alabama ain't losing to Mississippi State. They could lose to Auburn, but they ain't losing to Mississippi State. So the loser of this game is not making the SEC championship game by my estimation. So you start doing the math here, LSU would have a pretty good shot of of making the college football playoff if they lose to Alabama. If Alabama loses, it's not as cut and dry. It's not as clear. Now, it's not clear if LSU does. They wouldn't certainly it matters what happens in, in other parts of the country. Um you know, i.e. right now there are three unbeaten teams in the Big Ten. Now, um, they're going to start picking each other off. Like Minnesota plays Penn State. Penn State plays Ohio State. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but they're going to start picking each other off in that regard. But Alabama's strength of schedule, if they lose to LSU and they get to the end of the year and they let's say they go on the road and beat Auburn and let's say that's an 8-4 and four Auburn team, that would be Alabama's best win. A road win over an eight and four team. That's not exactly. Now there's the eye test, and and the committee has been shown to to value the eye test and and how good they know Alabama is. But there's also um, the resume portion that uh, that also gets weighed. And you'll be talking about an Alabama team that didn't win its division, that didn't compete for its conference title, and whose best win. Let's just play this out theoretically at this point: an eight and four Auburn team. It's not as cut and dry that they get in. And then you start then you start doing the math against other one-loss teams. Okay, Oregon. Oregon right now has a, their strength of schedule is 24. Alabama's right now is 59. But Alabama is getting ready to host the number one team in the country. That will certainly affect it, as will Auburn. Um, 
on the road uh, later in the season. So that, that number will come down from 59. Oregon, though, is 24. And they got the one loss and a neutral site to Auburn. Oklahoma's 49th. Now, they will have a chance. I do believe Oklahoma still has to play Baylor, which is unbeaten, and, and might end up playing Baylor twice if, if Baylor ends up with that one loss in the Big 12 championship game. Ohio State's strength of schedule, according to Sagarin, is 20th, and they still have Penn State. Penn State's is 39th, and they still have one now. Ohio State and Penn State are currently unbeaten, but I'm adding, I'm, I'm, I'm counting them in this one loss criteria in this hypothetical situation because one of them is catching an L. One of those teams is catching an L that day. So that's that's who Alabama starts uh, and would have to would have to compare itself to, and then you start looking at. Um, you would really, if you lose this game and you're Alabama, you really need LSU to be Georgia. You, re, you really need LSU to be Georgia. That way, LSU's unbeaten. They're in. Clemson's going to go unbeaten. They're in. Let's just, for the sake of this, play it out. Ohio State's unbeaten. They're in. There's three or your four spots right there. Um, and then you start having the one loss argument. Is it Oklahoma? Is it Penn State? Is it, is it Oregon? Is it Utah? Is it Alabama? Because the nightmare scenario for Alabama is if, if LSU beats them and then loses to Georgia. Because the one-loss Georgia team that wins, this, wins the SEC is not getting left out. And LSU has a better resume than Alabama. LSU probably goes. So that's, that's – I mean, this, all these scenarios when you start asking these questions when there's still four games remaining on the schedule, it, it, there's a, a variety of different ways you could play it out. But right now, the nightmare scenario for Alabama, in which you're not getting in the college football playoff, is if LSU wins, plays Georgia in the SEC championship game, and then Georgia wins. Because then Georgia's going because they won the, they won the conference with one loss. And then, then LSU would be – LSU and Alabama are competing against Oregon, Oklahoma, maybe Ohio State, maybe Penn State, Utah, other one-loss teams. And Alabama would match up fairly well against all those other teams. But you start putting a one-loss Alabama and a one-loss LSU against each other, they played head-to-head. And LSU would have won on the road. That's the nightmare scenario that Alabama ain't getting in the college football playoff. Of course, you can take care of business. I mean, none of that matters if you go ahead and take care of business on Saturday and you beat LSU. And then, then, then it would get really interesting if you lost to Georgia in the SEC championship game because Georgia would have one loss. They're going. And now you're talking about an Alabama team that has a win over LSU and, and won its division. Then you start comparing Alabama LSU. Alabama matches up better there because they would have the head-to-head win. But again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves because all that matters is what happens on Saturday. And then we'll start, uh, you know, then the loser starts having to have these convoluted conversations about, well, you know, who's, who's one loss is better than the others. You know, we, we know a lot about these two teams, and we know that these are very – these are teams that are built on offense and specifically built on the passing game. 2-0 with the RPO, the quick slants. Joe Burrow is incredibly efficient. They stretch you horizontally. They stretch you vertically. Uh, both two teams have uh, really great wide receiving cores. So who's the X factor in this? Who's the – Who's the X factor? Meaning, okay, we, we know what we're going to get from Justin Jefferson, from Jerry Judy, from Tua Tonga-Valoa, from Joe Burrow. We know those guys. Who are, who's the, what aspect of the game or player in the game can have, can be the X factor? And 
there are a couple that I have from Alabama. We'll ask we'll ask Brody. I know we're doing a Q&A later in the week. We may have him on the podcast this week, depending on how our schedules line up. We'll let Brody answer the LSU part. I'll take the Alabama part. There are two guys that could be the X factor for me. And the first is Terrell Lewis, who's really coming into his own since he's fully healthy. I think he can be a dynamic uh, playmaker that, that can make life difficult for Joe Burrow. The problem is the ball comes out so quickly. It's so incredibly difficult for a pass rusher to consistently get to Joe Burrow and shake him up. So that would be my first um, because he's so athletic. He's had such a uh, – last time we saw him, he was absolutely abusing Arkansas's rad tackle all night. Got six quarterback pressures. I mean, he was just all over the place. So he's my first. The second is Najee Harris. Najee Harris has quietly started to play a lot of really good football. In the beginning of the season, he was really used as sort of a – he was running the ball – but Alabama wasn't running the ball all that well. The offensive line wasn't set. He particularly wasn't running how Alabama asked him to run. He wasn't pressing the hole. He didn't read the hole really well. Now he is. The offensive line has gotten settled. Now that we see Landon Dickerson at center, we see uh, Deontay Brown at right guard. Uh, they're playing some good football. And they're getting some movement. And, and Najee Harris is running differently than we saw him earlier in the year. He's not bouncing everything outside. He's seeing the hole better. He's doing the little things they're asking him to do. He can do it all. He can block. He can run the ball. And he can do the thing that he was doing really well in the beginning of the season, which is catch the ball out of the backfield. But if you're looking for an X factor, and maybe Alabama wants to, to take a couple possessions away from LSU, maybe they don't want to get in a track meet, Alabama's been running the ball really well. So what if Alabama decides to – I don't think they're going to completely radically overhaul the offense. But what's say on a drive or two, they just decide to slow it down. They take some time off the clock, and Najee Harris gets going. We know Michael Divinity Jr. is not there. Maybe they want to test out some of those inexperienced players behind him. I just think he could be a difference maker, especially with the way that offensive line is playing. But I don't, I don't expect Alabama to do anything other than what it is. And it's a, it's a pass-first um, – West Coast offense with Tua Tongvalo and those great, great wide receivers. But I do think a wrinkle um, is if you can run the ball effectively, you can really keep LSU off balance and, and not know what's coming. And that could be an X factor in this game. Thanks for listening to Second and 26. We'll catch you guys on Friday for the subscriber-only edition. We got a lot to talk about because it's Alabama LSU week. It's number one versus number two, and it's a heck of a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to Second and 27.